0: Good morning everyone. Wow, a lot of response in the second service. First service, there's like a little silence, like an eerie feeling where nobody's going to say anything, and that's actually what happens at the first service. No, 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 it's, it's great. It's great. Right there. Not complaining. Um, if you're a first-time guest with us, again, I would like to welcome you to City Life Church. Uh, I know that the, uh, visiting a new church or you know, going to the new church is a hard task. I remember you know, when I was searching for church one time, uh, I remember going to a church and the, uh, having this great experience, but there was one thing that kind of put me off, and I'll explain to you why. The Word was great. The preacher was great. He was a teacher, so that, that, that speaks to my, that's my language. If, if, you, if, you, if you teach the Bible, I, you, you already speak to me already, so I enjoy that very much, but one thing that threw me off was this, that I did not feel welcomed. So, I Unfortunately, I I never end up going back to the church, Uh, but that being said, I would like to welcome you personally to the City Life Church, and if you do not feel welcome, please come and talk to me afterward. I'll make sure that you feel welcome in our church, okay? (laughs) Please do. Uh, But all the joke aside, if you're a first-time guest with us, welcome to City Life. The reason, uh, the, one of the things that what we're doing now in this series is called Soundtrack. That's the reason why we call it Soundtrack is because we believe that there is an underlying sound or music, uh, in this case, emotions, that are embedded in each song. Our goal is to bring out these emotions that we face in our daily life and, and how to deal with these emotions. Um, Pastor Chris discussed Psalm 4 and 73 the uh, past two weeks dealing with emotions such as fear and doubt. And today, we're going to be speaking on the topic of worry. How many people worry time to time? It's okay to raise your hand. I do too. But that being said, though, before we go on, uh, I just want to give you a little small plug about City Life Group. Um, It's our small group ministry that uh, we meet each week to further discuss and, and continue on this topic Uh, The Sunday service is really the tip of the iceberg. Uh, We actually uh, uh, go to these as a small group to actually talk about and discuss a lot of the things that we talk about today. And we want to continue that conversation in the small group setting where you can actually kind of talk it out with your fellow friends and believers. Uh, Another plug that I'd like to give, this is the last plug. I I will not give any more plug after this. It's called our daily devotional called Starter. Um, our starter is that you'll find our contributors that are making a contributor each day. Uh, They're helping you. Their goal is to help you to love God, uh, love God's word, sorry, love God's word, and how to apply his word. So you can actually go and download the City Life app. You'll be able to, the amazing app that we have. Um, You'll be able to download it, and you can go down, just scroll down, and there is a starter. You can click it. And each day, you will have a brand new uh, the devotional that is written by one of your members, one of your friends uh, at this house. And I, I would like to call the starter this way. It's just my little cookie thinking. It's what I say. It is the finest Christian devotional that you never heard of. It's really that good. So, you know, we have a different writers writing each day, so i I highly recommend you check it out, okay? So before we, uh, without any further ado, let's go to the Scripture. I'm going to be discussing Psalm 23. So we will read it together, and then we will expound on the Word of God together, okay? Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. You know, for thousands of years, the Psalm 23 has impacted millions of lives. It has been a go-to psalm for those who were weary as they faced trials in life, to those who are facing even death. It has echoed at homes, churches, schools, sports events, battlefields, and even as loved ones say goodbye to their dying friends and families. Millions have found strength and encouragement through this specific psalm, written by a shepherd boy, who would later become the king of Israel. Dr. William Holliday, Old Testament scholar who wrote the psalm through the 3,000 years, eloquently, but also powerfully, wrote the impact this psalm has made in his book, quote, The 23rd psalm is a nightgale of the psalms. It is small, of a homely feather, singing shyly out of the obscurity, but oh, it has filled the air of the whole world with a melodious joy, greater than the heart can conceive. Blessed be the day on which that psalm was born. What would you say of a pilgrim commission of God to travel up and down the earth singing a strange melody which one, when once heard caused him to forget whatever sorrow he had. And so the singing angels go on his way through all the lanes singing in the language of every nation driving away troubled by the pulses of the air which his tongue moves with his divine power. Behold, just such an one. This pilgrim God has sent to speak in every language on the globe. It has charmed more grief to the rest than all the philosophy of the world. It has remended to their dungeon more felon thoughts, more black doubts, more thieving sorrows than there are sands on the seashore. It has comforted the noble host of the poor. It has sung courage to the army, Of the disappointed. It has poured bombs and consolation into the hearts of the sick, of the captives in dungeons, of widows in their pinching griefs, or orphans in their loneliness. Dying soldiers have died easier as it was read to them. Ghastly hospitals have been illuminated. It has visited the prisoners and broken his chains, and like Peter's angel, led him in imagination and sung him back to his home again. It has made the dying Christian slave freer than his master, and consoled those whom dying he left behind, mourning not so much that he was gone as because he were left behind and could not go to. nor is its work done. It will go on singing to your children and my children and to their children through all generations of time, nor will it fold its wings till the last pilgrim is safe. And the time ended, and then he shall fly back to the bosom of God, whence it is issued, and sound on, mingle with all those sounds of celestial joy, which make heaven musical forever. What a gracious words that is. This morning, uh, we will attempt to, with a little bit of time we have, to expound a little bit on Psalm 23 in hope of a better understanding this psalm and underlying emotions that are embedded. Now that being said though, I am sure if you're a believer here this morning, that you have read this psalm many times, multiple times, hundreds of times, maybe thousands. So I am not going to question your intelligence or who dare to even give you something that, I, that you already know. But I will hope that the word that I share with you this morning, will you get a little bit closer an understanding of this beautiful psalm that David has given us. Is that okay? Let us begin with a little bit of background a context of 20, Psalm 23. Now Psalm 23 is also known as Psalm of Trust. The reason why it's called Psalm of Trust is because there are other type of psalms. There are 150 psalms, and so within the 150 psalms, there are Psalm of Thanksgiving, Psalm of Praise, Psalm of Lament, Prophetic psalms, an imprecatory psalm, and the wisdom psalms. And one must, if you are a student of the Bible, and if you take the Word of God seriously, I recommend that you understand exactly what type of psalm you are reading instead of just confessing without understanding what that is. It actually will help you very much to interpret God's Word. Within the psalm of trust, there are two divisions. The first is an individual psalm of trust, and the second is community psalm of trust. Psalm 23, along with Psalm 4, 16, 27, 62, and 73, is considered the individual psalms of trust, while others, such as Psalm 90, 115, 123, 124, is as known as community or corporate psalms of trust. In general, individual psalms of trust emphasize individual's trust, of God, while the community psalm of trust emphasizes Israel, or believers' community's trust of God. One way to determine one from the other is in individual psalm, you will hear the pronouns such as I, my, or me, which you see in Psalm 23. But in the corporate psalm, you will hear the words such as house of so-and-so, or we, ours, and us. So let us go to Psalm 23, verse 1, and let's go by one by one. But one thing that I would like to do to, so this morning is this. I will, there's a two-way to interpret this psalm. We can take the theological route, which is, is a tradition. We exegete, exegete the word, which is a fancy word for interpretation, Bible study. But we can go to that route, and we can easily do so, which I'm going to go back and forth. But the other way, which I will really encourage you to do, is the most of a practical way to read the psalm which is looking through the eyes of the shepherd, but more importantly, looking through the eyes of the sheep. It's very important that you understand when David is writing this psalm, he is writing as a sheep describing the shepherd. And rightfully so, because David was a shepherd. He was an expert shepherd, we will find, because the description he gives is perfect. This is exactly what the good shepherd do. So first first verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now this psalm begins with David describing God as a divine shepherd. where the whole psalm is anchored on this idea that the Lord is his shepherd. Let me say this quickly. Without fully engaging and understanding this first verse, the rest of the psalm breaks down. It doesn't work. It is very vital for you to understand that the Lord God that David is describing is the shepherd God of Israel. And that's something that you have to accept even before you actually confessing the rest. Because there are a lot of benefits on this verse. And so we, in tendency, we like the benefits. So we want to go to the benefits and accept the benefits without actually thinking even who is providing those benefits. It's very important for us. Here is an expert shepherd, like I said, David, describing the divine shepherd, one who created you and I. So, but the David's first statement about his shepherd... It's not the description goes right away. There's a one statement that he said that I would like to discuss with you, which is, I shall not want. Now, this description, I, nothing against the English translators, but there is a little bit of problem that I see, which is this. In Hebrew, I shall not want, the word is lo ehisar. Eh, Ahisar, eh, the direct translation will be, not I lack. So English translator, when they read, when they translate the specific not I lack, they have to make it so that you understand what he's trying to say. So I shall not want is typically what an English translation is. But if you go to the direct translation, it's something like this. I do not lack nothing. So you have I shall not want here versus I lack nothing. I don't know about you. When I read those two statements, I had some trouble comprehending both because it's not the same. I don't know about you, but at least that's my English, second language, have understood. <laughs> it's like hold on a minute. These are the not two same sentence here. It's definitely a different. It has a weight to it. There's versus, there's one thing to say. I do not. I shall not like nothing versus. I shall not want. It's like when you don't want something, it's like you can say no to it. Yeah. But when you don't lack like nothing, you look at the provider and say, It's because of you, I don't lack like anything. I have everything I possibly need to survive, as a sheep would describe his shepherd to provide. As I stated earlier. This is the most important verse of the psalm. For without it, the rest of the psalm will fall apart. Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside the still waters. Now, the emphasis of these two verses is lie on the relationship between God and the sheep, or the shepherd and sheep, and God and David. As my friend uh, has told me this many times, Psalm 23 is not written by David metaphorically, but it's really describing sheep, describing the shepherd himself. It is God who provides the green pasture for them to eat and drink, because that's the sustenance. That's what they need to survive. So sheep have a very easy life, in a sense. They just eat and drink water, and they're pretty much content with their life, right? It's a simple life they live. But, I will say to you, if there is no shepherd, they will die. Why? Because the predators will come and pick them out real quick. That's why you need the shepherd. The sheep needs shepherd. They cannot survive without the shepherd. And that's exactly what David is saying. He remembered as he himself being the shepherd to his flock. And so he understood as a sheep, man, I couldn't survive without this goddess, the shepherd. And that's why he is describing here to you and me. David go on to further to describe his relationship with God, that God is the one who restores his soul. Now, I think the restore is pretty common, word that we can actually agree upon. But there is another word that I would like to just mention briefly, which is the description of the soul. Now, soul in Hebrew is called nafshi. You don't have to repeat after me. Don't worry. <laughs> napshi in Hebrew is not only defined as a soul, but it is also defined as a soul, living being, life, self, person, desire, passion, and emotions. Whole being of the person is what David is trying to describe. It's not just the soul. The English translators try to find the best philosophical term to describe what David was trying to say. But the Hebrew language is very frank. It is... It includes so much meaning. There's a depth of this word that you and I have to comprehend that God is not just restoring one part of your body. So some will say, God is not going to just restore your finances. God is not going to just restore your health. God is not going to just restore things of your life. But He's going to restore your soul. He's going to restore the broken relationships. He's going to restore and mend the things that you alone cannot restore. It's the God who restores our soul. Next, it is God who leads him in the path of righteousness. Now, one more time, look, before I go on, i give you a little disclaimer. I am not by any means bashing the translators. I think they done an excellent job of translating the Scripture so you and I can have the Word of God available to us and understand these words. But there is always a little bit of issue because they have to find the term that we, American westernized culture, will understand the term. Now, same thing happens here. He leads them in the path of righteousness. The word path in Hebrew is bemagaleh. Bemagaleh is also known as circles. Circles. For example, in 1 Samuel 17 20, it says, and he came to the circle of the camp. 1 Samuel 26 5 and 7 also says, was lying in the circle of the camp. So, here's the problem. Why did the church translators decide to translate the word circles to path? Have you ever wondered about that? Probably didn't even know it was a circle, right? It's okay. I didn't know either. But it is the translation's issue that they actually had to find the best way for you and I to comprehend what he's trying to discuss to us. But if you understand the practicality of this word, that you actually have to understand the land of Israel. The Judea mountain, which is well known, where the shepherd will take his flock so they can gra- graze the grass. When you actually go to the Israel, what you see is a mountains surrounding. You go from one mountain to the next mountain. And so you, it's actually very difficult for you to go from one mountain to the next. But this is what's the difference about the practical versus theological. If you go direct, just the alone, translation alone, you will miss it. The circles of righteousness, if you think about mountain, just think a picture of a mountain, just one pointy mountain, So what the shepherd, the biblical time, the shepherd will do is they will not go from the bottom of the mountain and the top of the mountain in one sentence, like one second. What the shepherd, the good shepherd will do, he will lead from the one end to the next by making around the mountain. So slowly but surely, you're reaching to the top without you even realizing it. It is a circle of righteousness. And what you're saying here is that God is taking you and I to the path or the circle. The path, yes, but it is a circle that He's taking us. It's a slow process. Slowly but surely that you're reaching to the top without you knowing it. Have you ever wondered why you actually come to the church? Why, you incur- why we encourage you to go to the small groups? check out the starter, it's because part of it is that's what God has called us to do here, that you may start walking that path. It's the process of a sanctification that we want you to be part of. You cannot just say, well, I'm saved now, so I'm just going to stay here, just feed me. No, Spiritual Christianity doesn't work that way. The moment that you decide to follow God, you're starting your journey. And that journey is this path. And you're making that circle. And I promise you, sometimes you'll have a moment that you will not like in the process because as a sheep, you have to put your complete trust in the shepherd because if you don't put your full trust in your shepherd, you will ultimately die because you'll go astray and you'll be picked up by the predators that are surrounding in Judea mountains. There was lions and bears and wolves that could snatch you out of it. But what It's important for you and I is that we follow this shepherd that David is describing to you and me. This valley of the shadow of death which I'm going to talk a little bit about, David described as a valley of the shadow of death. It's very important for us to understand where David is actually coming from. A lot of people try to pinpoint this place if you think oh, for 2,000 years, even more, you have a Jewish uh, uh, scribes, different tribes, to understand where this mountain or the valley was. But the 2,000 years, you know, Christian scholars have tried to pinpoint where this valley, where is this valley? And so you could point that maybe it was, it was a valley that when he was crossing, when he was, being, when he was being chased by Saul, King Saul, maybe it was the moment where he was actually being betrayed by his son, Absalom. And that is why I want you to lead you to that this valley of shadow death, I believe, it's just my own personal opinion, okay, this is my own personal opinion, that it is a valley called Kidron. Kidron Valley is located in Jerusalem. Uh, it's the valley next to the, where the temple of God used to be, the Mount Moriah and the Mount of Olives. And this valley is called Shaded Valley. And this Shaded Valley was well known for this dark alleys that you actually have to go through. A lot the of times there was, uh, throughout the history, there was a graves. A lot of the grave site was, the Jewish grave was located at that site. The valley of shadow of death. And think for a moment as David, you are going through this valley after you were betrayed by your own son you're going through that valley with your faithful as you're exiting the, your, your, your throne. And as he is going through it, what is the feeling that you sense? Fear? Betrayal? Worry? Maybe even doubts about God? And this emotion is embedded, but here is what David says. I will fear no evil. Was Evil around him, in his life, absolutely, we see it in every junction of his life that the evils surround him wherever he went. For you are with me; your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is what's so amazing about this psalm: is that this psalm can resonate with any stage of your life, whether good or bad. You might be one that is enjoying life right now. Everything is going good. Maybe you just got married. Maybe you're, having, you're about to have a first kid. I don't know if that's a valley of shadow of death or... Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Every stage of your life, you find yourself in this psalm. Maybe you are in this valley of shadow of death. Wary that all these feelings that emotions that are embedded in this verse. And I think what David wants you to do is feel that emotions that are embedded, that he felt. And a lot of times the emotions are there, but sometimes when we're just reading it, we just, blah, blah, it, shepherd, I not want it. but we forget that this is the real people, like you and me. David was a real person. He had his struggles, he had his ups, he surely had his downs and experience the hardship of his life. And we can relate to that. I don't know about you, but for personally, um, last year has been one of the toughest point in my life. We lost our family members, and uh, uh, my father actually had to go through very dramatic surgery. And and, 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 and at that time, I start to wonder myself, there was, yes, doubt. Yes, there was fear surely there was worry. Because you hate to see your loved one go. See, my father, he, fortunately, the Lord was gracious to him. And he is still with us today. But my mother-in-law is not. It happened at the same, almost same time. And you start to wonder, it's like, am I going to lose my dad also? And was that going to be like, the feeling of it? And that I surely say to you this morning, with, truthfully, I feel like I was all alone at that one moment. But it was after when I was coming out of the valley, I think I finally came out, praise the Lord. And I look back and I'm just spending time in the Word and in this specific psalm actually came to me. And this psalm came to me like this. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I feel that emotion... That was embedded last time, the last year, and I sensed it, and it brought to my knees, and I, I feel as if I was going through these emotions all over again. But it's that moment our gracious Lord whispered in my ears and said, "You are never alone. You are never alone." 2,000 years ago, there was another shepherd that came to the earth. Now, this shepherd said he was a good shepherd. And he's willing to die for his sheep. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Only one. And he is a good shepherd, as you will see. John 10, says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. This was written before he went to the cross. And this shepherd followed through his words. He laid down his life for you and I. You are all here because of one reason, because your Savior, your good shepherd, pay with his own life so that you may have life. Because if without him, we will not be here sitting in this room. Why are we even meeting in the first place? We're meeting because we want to worship him. We want to honor him. With every being, whole being, we want to give him the honor, the rightfully due to his name. John 10.14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. And I'm sure if you're a believer here this morning, what a beautiful, what a beautiful saying that is, that you can't say, I know him. I know Jesus. I know my good shepherd. John 10.15-16, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. This good shepherd is talking about you. And I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know if you believe or not believe. That doesn't matter to me. But the fact of the matter is we have a good shepherd. The good shepherd who will lay down his life for you. There's no God in this world who is willing to sacrifice himself so that you may live. And that's the good shepherd that we have. And we can go to him now. And he's leading us every day. We can know him. We can commune with him. We can talk to him. We can go to his word and find out who is about him. And then believe me, friends, I tell you, The moment you think you know him, believe me, there's so much more. There's so much more to learn about this good shepherd. And he's with us today. Let me end with this. Charles Spurgeon, British pastor of the 19th century, said this way, The position of this psalm is worthy of notice. It follows the 22nd, which is peculiarly the psalm of the cross. There are no green pastures, no still waters on the other side of the 22nd Psalm. It is only after we have read, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That we come to the Lord is my shepherd. We must, by experience, know the value of the bloodshedding and see the sword awaken against the shepherd before we shall be able truly to know the sweetness of the good shepherd's care. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you this morning grateful and thankful that you have come to shepherd your people. We were once lost, but have been found by your grace and now no longer lost sheep, but part of your flock, You are the good shepherd who are leading us, guiding us, comforting us, restoring us, protecting us, and surely fighting for us. Help us to know who you are, that you are our good shepherd, and we as your flock. Help us to humble ourselves and leave our throne, take up our crown, comfort and security, that we may meet you daily. I pray for those who do not know you in this room. I pray that they will hear your voice this morning, the words of a good shepherd, that you care for them and will search them out as you have said in your word. Friends, if you, if that's you this morning, your good shepherd is willing to go after you, to find you and bring you into his flock. Holy Spirit, would you please move in their life this morning Convict them of their sins, that they may humble themselves and place their faith in you. In the name above all name, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.